It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. Eric Kane, Ben McKee, Brent Hubs, and Rob Lewis on for today's chat. And special shout out, as always, to Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies. Three locations right here in East Tennessee and one in Knoxville at 8018 Kingston Pike across the street from the Trader Joe's. And you can always shop and buy online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. As always, a reminder, uh, subscribe to the VolQuest YouTube page. When we post something, you will be notified. So that is the quickest way to get all the information by subscribing and following us on YouTube at VolQuest. All right, guys, got a full bank of questions, and we'll go ahead and dive right down into it. This one is from Judd865. Does Jimmy Holiday finally see more reps this year? Seems like he would be a good fit in this offense, Brent. I think that uh, from what the coaches were saying about Jimmy Holiday in the uh, spring practice session, he did take a step, and uh, hopefully he can be a guy that can you know be relied on to come in there and, and, and play some stats when needed. Yeah, and, and I mean, I don't know what everybody else thinks. I'm surprised Jimmy Holiday's back. Um, that, that was a guy that you know, didn't play a lot, and you thought when the world of the transfer portal that maybe – he might look elsewhere, look for opportunities elsewhere, but uh, he didn't. He, he chose to come back and uh, continue to go to work. I, I think his first impact on this team has a chance to be uh, as a kick returner. I think he can, be, instead of being the up back, I think there's a chance he may be the guy back there as the kick returner. And if, and if you have success there, Ben, then I think that opens the door up for you. I think the other thing with Jimmy is where where is he in this offense? Is he an outside guy? With those longer arms, does he play inside? How does Tennessee, um, with Kelsey Pope uh, and, and Alex Golis, elect to try to use Jimmy Holiday in this offense from a receiving standpoint? Yeah, I'm with you, Brent. I'm kind of surprised that he's just back in in general. I uh, wondered if, if maybe he would seek opportunities elsewhere, and obviously he decided uh, to stay. And I, I don't think that's a bad decision when you look at Tennessee's depth chart outside of Cedric Tillman. There's a lot of question marks. And – uh, it would appear that there's an easy route for playing time if you can establish yourself, but can Jimmy Holiday establish himself? And, and the biggest question is exactly what you mentioned is, is he an outside guy? He, he isn't necessarily the tallest guy in the world, uh, or or is he a slot guy? I think he kind of needs to find his home, his niche, and and make the most of it. I, I do think he has a nice skill set, kind of like Walker Merrill. They both have nice skill sets, but can they find a, a niche in this offense and, and take it and run with it? Uh, Brent, I agree with what you said. I think immediately, because he's a guy that, you know, they kicked it to him a few times last year trying to get away from Bayless, and he had some nice, you know, decent little returns. Not many, of course, but I think that's special teams is the first place he can make an impact. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, Brew McCoy is anything but a sure thing. Obviously, he's not got a whole lot of experience since he's breaking in two, not, two more wide receivers, and you would think that they want to play more wide receivers than they did you know, last season. Uh, we'll move on, Rob. Uh, do you keep in touch with any former coaches? Could be football, basketball, whatever, you know, when their time, you know, at Tennessee comes to an end and they leave, it, you keep that relationship with those guys. Yeah, I mean, a couple of my, I mean, I, I know Hubbard is the same way. I mean, a couple of my really good friends are former assistant coaches here that are now elsewhere. I had had dinner just a couple of weeks ago with one, one such guy. Talked on the phone last night for half an hour with, one such guy. And I know Hubs is Hubs is like a spider. He's got he's got more he's got more legs out there on the web than than, than I do. 
That's just because there's been a lot of coaches that have come through here in the last 20 years that, that you get to know. But, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there are guys that um, you, you know, for whatever reason, you hit it off with them and you develop better relationships with them than you would do others. And uh, you stay in touch with those guys. Now, sometimes those, you know, staying in touch is a text message at Christmas time and a text message in the preseason to say, hey, have a great fall. Um, because they're really busy. And then some other times it's a different conversation. I mean, um, you know, Rodney Garner and I stayed in touch for 20 years until he came back to Tennessee. I mean, when he was here in 97, uh, we, we developed a good relationship and, and working relationship and uh, always enjoyed going to Athens to see him, you know, and bumping into him. And we stayed in touch in the off season. And then obviously he's back here now. I, I just think in this business, you never know when somebody's going to come back around uh, but when you have a genuine relationship with someone, you you know you do your best to you know to, to try to stay in touch with those guys. Now they get really busy, but I mean Cutcliffe, I've always stayed in touch with, and um, lots of other guys through through the years that you stay in touch with. That's just I think that's how the business works. Yeah, there's always coaches on the move, but certainly in this era of college football, when the transfer portal is as relevant as it ever is, it's good to have those connections, even if they're not here. Um, of course. Well, These here's are- just here's the other thing too. I mean. During a coach's search, Rob, nobody likes to talk more than coaches during coaching searches. So you don't want, I mean, you, you want to keep those relationships. I mean, you, you know, there's no reason to go, well, that guy's gone and he'll never be back and I'll never talk to him again. Now there's a couple guys that I, you know, I didn't have great relationships with when they were here and I haven't, I haven't talked to them, you know, but um, you want to keep as many of those things available and possible because nobody talks more um, in the winds of change than coaches do. That's for sure. Yeah, these are from Smoky Man 15 and Ben, something that we can hit on here because we were talking about it just the other day being over at Prospect Camp. I mean, early return on summer enrollees, and, and Brent, please add to it, but you're just from being out there at these camps and seeing some of these players, you know, we were looking at Dylan Sampson the other day. He's you know, he's back on. Uh, we, we saw Caleb Perry. He looks like a, a good-looking guy. Um, you know, I mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago. Messiah Reddick is huge now. He'll need to – obviously getting that strength and conditioning program and, and put on the right type of weight and all that type of stuff. But, um, you know, outside of seeing them with my own eyes, I haven't heard much in terms of how the workouts have been gone. You know, Ben, what, what would you say of the guys that you've seen so far? Yeah. Some of the same things that, that you just mentioned, I, I'd never seen Caleb Perry in person and he's going to have to add some good SEC weight to him, especially if he's going to play on the edge. Uh, I'm interested to see how they use him uh, on defense, but, uh, just coming in as a, a kid out of high school, I mean, he, he looks really good. Uh, he definitely looks good in T-shirts and, and shorts. I, I know that's the running yeah. joke over the course of the summer. And uh, Dylan Sampson, uh, another kid that looked really good. And i tell you who looks good is, is the receivers. Now, now Squirrel obviously has to add some weight, but Chaz Nimrod, Caleb Webb, though, those guys, they, they look like athletes. And, and, look, they should. I mean, they are D1 athletes and – all of these D1 athletes look good. Most of them at least look good coming out of high school. But honestly, the one that caught my eye the most being at camp on Sunday uh, wasn't a newcomer. It was Joe Milton. And not trying to stoke the Joe Milton flame or gaslight anybody, but uh, he he looked good in T-shirts and shorts. He he looked slimmed down to me. He looked more muscular to me. And uh, I think that could certainly help. uh, And if he can find some touch on his passes, then, man, maybe, maybe Tennessee does have Cam Newton. You know, for for me, I think a guy that you're hearing a little bit of buzz about right now that everybody wants to see in pads is those two defensive ends and Pierce and, and Joseph just because of their um, explosiveness and, and, and kind of the quickness that they've shown. It's got to translate into pads. Um, 
you know, I, I've been around, I've been around way too long to, to hear way too many summer stories of, of guys looking great. And, and you put a big, you put a big caveat on that and say, wait a minute, nobody's ever had a bad summer. And, um, you know, I, I do think this team continues to start to look, move more and more in the direction of looking the way you want them to look in terms of an SEC team. Uh, but we'll see how it all translates when it gets into pads. But um, I, I don't hear anybody going, man, that newcomer's light years away, you know, or he's going to have a really hard time ever having a chance to get on the field here. I'm, I'm not getting a lot of that vibe right now, but we'll see what they look like when pads go on. Yeah, and I'll say it again, and, and kind of going on what uh, what, what Ben said, um, not a newcomer, but I've seen Jalen Rod a few times this summer, and he looks good. He looks really good, so we'll see if that can translate. Uh, Brent Hose will stay with you from UT Sportsman 16. If the Vols beat Pitt by double digits, will Brent underscore Hugs predict the Vols' victory over Florida? No. <laughs> that quick? No, I mean, I've, I've, my stance is not changing on that one, Rob Lewis. Remember, when did you do it last? Did, you did it one time, right, and they burned you? Yep, and that was, and I said, not not going to happen again. I can't remember what year it was. I um, remember. I remember it's been a while. It happened. It has well, it's been not. A while. It, it's not Florida, but I picked. Uh, I think Ben t- did as well. I, I picked Pitt to beat Tennessee last year and just got hammered on the board because you know that's what happens. Um, but I'm not. I'm not picking them to beat Florida until they beat Florida. I think that's fair. Uh, 81 Vols asked, does this coaching staff truly grasp the importance of riding the ship against the big three? Rob, do they understand the history that we have, Tennessee, with Florida, Georgia, and Alabama? I, I mean, even if there was no history, this coaching staff understands the importance. I mean, you can't go to Atlanta unless you win those games, or at least two of them. And, yeah, I mean, Josh Heupel gets history. I mean, Josh Heupel played in Oklahoma. I mean, that's a place that's – I mean, easily got as much tradition as Tennessee. Bud Wilkinson, you know, Barry Switzer, 47-game win streak. How many Heisman trophies in national championships? I mean, Josh Eiple gets college football. And, I mean, Hubbard, don't you agree? I mean, he gets tradition. He gets rivalries. I I, I don't have any doubt that that he knows how important those games are, you know, both for, you know, legacy and and rivalry purposes and also for the tangible deal of you may – driving down I-75 to play for a trophy unless you would win a couple of those. Yeah, you, you don't think he's been at some event or been in town where he's run into somebody and the question is going to be, Coach, when are you going to beat Florida, Georgia, or Alabama? Um, yeah, I mean, he, everybody understands the importance of who you're chasing. Uh, and, and, again, Rob's right. Re- regardless of the history of the rivalries, it's who you're chasing. You're trying to – you want to get to the top, that's who you got to beat. you got to try to, you know, figure that out and, and figure out a way to beat them. So, yes – uh, there's no doubt this staff completely gets the importance uh, of winning those three, of trying to win those three games. Or at this point for Tennessee, be competitive in all three of those games. Because yeah. let's face it, they haven't been that over the course of uh, the last decade or so. Yeah, finish those finish those games. Uh, again, you look good in the first quarter against Georgia, played well, you know, up until about the fourth quarter against Alabama. You know, finish those games, I think would be huge for Tennessee. Or don't beat. Georgia and Florida in the same year and then turn around and lose to South Carolina and Vanderbilt like the 2016 team tried to do and did only, do. Only Butch could do that, though. I don't think that's a – Cost you a chance at the uh, the Sugar Bowl, no doubt. Cost you a trip to Atlanta. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it should have been at the – we'd be having a total different conversation about, you know, Tennessee trying to get to Atlanta would feel totally different compared to now you're talking about, you know – some of these kids weren't born the last time Tennessee was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. 
Ben McKee. Sure ben was born the last time Tennessee was in Atlanta. <laughs> ben, we'll stay with you. Joey Mack, 85-81. What do you think Florida's record is going to be when they come into Neyland Stadium? Quarterback Anthony Richardson scares me in that matchup. He looks very dangerous. And uh, as I put you on the spot, I'll tell you what the schedule is before they get to Neyland. Uh, they're playing Utah, uh, playing against Kentucky. Uh, playing against South Florida, all those games are at home, and then they come to uh, Neyland Stadium. Ooh, you are putting me on the spot. I, I think Kentucky is going to be better than Florida, and that game's in Gainesville this year, right? The Yeah, it's in Gainesville, yeah. Yeah, I, I still think Kentucky. I'm picking based off of who I think is going to be better, not home or away. I I think the Utah game will determine whether they're one and two or two and one. Uh, that And – Naturally, what what first comes to my mind is that Florida loses to Utah and Kentucky. I think both of those two programs are in a better spot right now, more established programs, and obviously Billy Napier in year one and and a mass exodus of of talent both on the offense and and defensive side of the ball. And Anthony Richardson certainly has the tools to be a, a really, really good quarterback, but still needs to prove to do so consistently. So, I'm going to go bold. I may look very foolish here in a couple of months, but I'm going to say they're one and two coming to the Neyland Stadium at the end of September. Rob, if you're Billy Napier, aren't you asking your administration, whose who's bright idea was it to schedule Utah? <laughs> and like, then don't they go to Utah yeah, next year? I yeah, mean, like, like like what's the benefit of that for I Florida? Got, is that, was that something that was like an Urban Meyer payback that was on the books from I mean, 15 years ago? I mean, I mean, maybe, but at some point, couldn't you have gotten out of that one? I wouldn't I mean, have that, to think so. That is a no win for Florida. Even no. if you win, even if you win the game, you don't get a credit well, for that. And the win, road really. trip next year is a, I mean, it's a nightmare to, to go out there. And that'll be like the biggest home game in, you know, the history of Utah football when Florida goes out there and plays. Oh, that's a, that's a disaster. Yeah, that's – I mean, that had to be Jeremy Foley. I mean, it's had to be on the books for forever. Yeah, yeah I, and, you, however, I can't believe and, they didn't BYU that one. Yeah, and Florida – I mean, Florida's non-conference schedule that they've got in the works for the next eight to ten years does not look does not look like a good non-conference schedule for a program that might add an extra conference game because they, they have got some heavy hitters on their list in non-conference games over the course of the next – six to 10 years or so. It's really crazy. Some of the teams that they've scheduled. Um, and again, the Utah one is a head scratcher to me. Eric. And then if Florida state ever gets good again, you know, look yeah. out now. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. I, uh, that is, that is tough. And I, I'm kind of with Ben. I want to lean one and two. Um, but I just know in Florida, I've, Kentucky, I've been the, Kentucky's not been in that game. Come on. Well, come Kentucky's on, yes, won. Kentucky's won twice down there here recently. Kentucky's uh, a good team. I, I, I feel very confident in saying that Kentucky will, will beat Tennessee. I, I bet you lunch on it, Rob Lewis. Kentucky goes Kentucky down there. Kentucky will beat Tennessee? Beats Florida. I'm sorry. Oh. I misspoke. Kentucky beats, <laughs> beats Florida. Yeah, I'll, they, remind they, me, remind me of that one. So, so I can cash in on, on I little, will, I will. And, and I'm in, making you buy in me. Bologna. And, and hot oh, I'm, bu- I'm buying everything at dead end. The mag attack, the, the Bernie Mac, a sausage and cheese plate. You're buying me everything. We'll put it on the big board. Smokey, 4319. Brents, uh, what's the plan for running back recruiting if Tennessee does not land Cobb? I mean, I, I think that's one of those things to where it makes Selden, of course, all the more important because he could play that. But also, I think there's just names that you won't see pop up until late in the cycle, like kind of like there is every single cycle. That might be a position to where – You'll continue to evaluate as the summer and the fall goes on. 
Yeah, and you got to see, I mean, you'll have a better feel in August of where that room is. You know, you talked about Jalen Wright looking good. What, where is he at? Um, you know, what What do we see out of Justin Williams-Thomas? You know, what, what does that running back room look like in terms of need? Uh, and again, Cam Seldon can play both, you know, wide receiver and, and running back. Um, and I think a lot of running back at the college level, to be frank with you. So um, I think that's where it starts at. Um, I think Cobb's going to go to Auburn uh, is what it feels like. Uh, just because he's going to make a quick decision. Um, Rob, I'm not sure if you were standing there with me on Sunday when he talked, and he was talking about he was going to take a bunch of time during the dead period here and sort of sort through it, and now all of a sudden he's going to make a decision this first week of July, which tells me he's you know made up his mind. And, and I think Auburn's kind of been the front runner uh, for, for him for a while. So I, I think that's where he ends up. There'll be a name or two pop up at the running back position. We just don't know right now. Yeah, I mean, what, where was Justin Williams you know, this time last year? And was he? I don't. I don't, I don't recall. Maybe Ben or Eric may remember West Virginia. He wasn't yeah. committed to West Virginia yet. I, I may be wrong on that one, but of course he he was a West Virginia commit. And and yeah, however, I would. I mean, just I I don't know, you know, the ins and outs of the Bell commit Bell recruitment, but man, I, committing to Auburn right now, whew, that's a it'd be a tough proposition for me if I was a, a rising senior in high school. Yeah, good luck on that one. Uh, again, it's you talk about a program that is about as unstable as you can get right now. That would be Auburn. Uh, we'll continue on here, Brand. A couple of rapid fires. Uh, your gut feeling about Bradley? I think it's consistent. And if Tennessee can get him back in July, should Davion Bradley? That would be a good sign for the balls. Um, he told me at the Memorial Day thing. Now a lot of time has passed since then that you know he will be back to visit Tennessee. So I think if getting him on campus would be a good thing for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, my stance on him hasn't changed uh, even after the South Carolina visit. I mean, I think it's it's all about where is he at the end of July? Does he take a visit somewhere before he commits in, in August? If it's Tennessee, then you're going to love Tennessee's chances. If he visits somewhere else, then there's a huge red flag. I don't have anything to say right to suggest right now that he's not going to visit Tennessee. Um, so we'll see what he does in July. So my, my stance on him is I don't think they've fallen out of favor or they've lost a lot of ground with him or anything since he visited South Carolina. And then finally, in-state 2024 guys that Tennessee's high on, just a couple that come to mind, Ben. I know that you have uh, – you talked to a lot of those Limpson guys as well, but Caleb Beasley, uh, Edwin Spillman, a couple more uh, right around there. But I know that the Lipscomb guys are two that Tennessee would really love to have. Yeah, those are the guys that are standing up the, the most right now. Caleb Beasley, uh, who is being pursued by several schools throughout the country, several top schools throughout the country. Uh, not sure if all of those are, are committable offers. I, I guess we'll see in due time. But he, he's been up to Tennessee uh, plenty. And we saw Edwin Spillman camping on, on Sunday. And, man, he, he looks good. Uh, that was something that you and I were talking off uh, to the side about. He, he looks really, really good and uh, hard not to, to see him following in his brother's footsteps at, at, at some point. Uh, but those are certainly the two that – stick out to me the most. And, and you had some quarterbacks uh, from from the volunteer state uh, in attendance uh, as well. I don't think anybody eye-popping or anything along those lines, but um, th there's there's those top two guys. And then I, I kind of think it'll be what it is every year. There, there's going to be guys that pop up from time to time throughout the calendar, uh, and Tennessee will have to make a decision on, on whether they think that they're worth pursuing or not. And if they are, then obviously they will pursue them. But it feels like there's been a lot lately that have kind of – they Tennessee's had a hard time making a decision on whether to, to completely go all in on. 
uh, and, and maybe that's bit them later in the process. Not not saying that it's happened so frequently, but um, seems like there's been guys that they, they've kind of been in contact with and, and just simply decided not to pursue. Yeah, I'd throw a couple of, a couple more names in there with those guys as well. And, and I know, Ben, you weren't just naming the only ones Tennessee's recruiting, but I, I would add in there Kamaro Brown, the safety yeah. from Memphis, uh, as a guy that Tennessee likes a lot. Marcus Gorey from Bradley Central is a guy Tennessee offered uh, at camp um, that, that I think that Tennessee likes a good bit. Carson Gentle is a guy that we saw at camp um, that, that you know, I, I think is one to watch for sure moving forward. Um, Boo Carter. But Boo Carter, we'll see if they can get any traction with Boo Carter or not. I know he was up here, uh, but but we'll we'll have to see what happens with that. I, I think this uh, this uh, Keeson Shepard from Fayette Ware is another interesting prospect, an offensive tackle, six five three zero eight. Uh, Ronan o- O'Connell is a guy who's been on Tennessee's campus. He's from Page High School down in Franklin, Tennessee. Another offensive lineman as well. So um, it's not as deep as it's been. It doesn't feel like it's as deep as it's been the last couple of years. But but it you know there are certainly some guys Tennessee likes and are going to continue to evaluate and, and continue to recruit. But I, I think it starts with Beasley and Spielman as the, as those two guys. Yep, absolutely it does. And. Um... They've been looking good on, on camps. I saw both of them camp this uh, this summer, and they looked uh, about as good as advertisers. They continue to grow and develop over their younger years. Um, we can kind of go around the room for this one. This is from uh, Sam Adams, 80. How many players on Tennessee's current roster, if they reach their absolute ceiling? It's kind of a trick question because, of course, they can go a number of different ways, but could potentially be first-round picks. Um, I'll start. I'll give out one that's obvious. I mean, if you play to your absolute best, Darnell Wright, obviously a tackle, uh, could be a first-round pick. Any other obvious ones out there? I mean, would Byron Young be in that category still, or would you say that? I would. Um, okay. I would just because of the position that, that he plays. Uh, I wonder if that was similar to your line of thinking with Darnell Wright. I mean, they, they play a premium position, yeah. edge rusher and, and, and tackle, and I think Byron Young certainly has the, the tools to where he can make himself a whole lot of money. Uh, this season playing in the SEC, going up against some of the top tackles in the country. I, I think Byron Young is a guy for sure. And how could you not also throw Cedric Tillman and Hendon Hooker uh, in that conversation just because of the positions they play as well? I don't think that they're going to go out and end up being first-round picks, but if Hendon Hooker ends up having a, a Kenny Pickett type of season, why couldn't he be a first-round pick? I, I don't think anybody had Kenny Pickett being a first-round pick at the beginning of last season, I think Hendon Hooker could potentially, not not necessarily predicting it, but could be this year's Kenny Pickett. And if he has a big year and Tennessee can pull off some upsets that that he finds himself in, in categories for major awards. And then uh, he's looked at as, as a first-round pick. And Cedric Tillman, receiver position is a, a little bit harder to be a first-round pick because there are so many really good receivers coming out year in and year out. But I, I – why couldn't he be? Uh, again, I don't think so, but I, I think you have to throw those two into the mix as well. Uh, I'd pump the brakes on about everything Ben just said. Rude. <laughs> uh, I think – I'm just kidding, Ben, kind of. Man, I, I don't know. Why about, couldn't Hendon Hooker be a first-round pick? Well, I just I just think age. I know you threw the Kenny Pickett thing out there. That's, that's, that's legit. That's a legit comparison. But I just think, I just think age – I mean, I think if he was close to being a first-round pick with the numbers he put up last year, he would have gotten – somebody would have gotten that word to him, you know, after he threw three interceptions and for 3,000 yards and 30-something touchdowns. Uh, 
I, I mean, to me, I mean, I, I guess I could see Darnell Wright just because of the measurables. But to me, it would I, it would almost have to be like one of those young kids, and they're so there's there's such babies. It would it's impossible to project that far, you know. Tyree you know, West or you know, one of those dudes, and Byron Young. I mean, that, that, he's I mean, just incredibly intriguing, and he would have to put up some monster numbers this year, in my opinion. Anybody else you'd add, Brent? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think that, uh, I think Darnell Wright's probably going to be, if he has a great year, would be the most talented guy, would be one of the more talented guys. And again, a position of need. I think the quarterback thing is interesting. Uh, you know, you, you know, that, that, that Bryce Young's ahead of him. Uh, CJ Stroud's going to be ahead of him, right. Uh, in, in terms of draft eligible guys, in terms of Hendon Hooker, Tanner McKee at, at Stanford. I, I don't know. I've not seen enough of him to play. Will Levis at Kentucky is listed as the fourth best quarterback according to PFF. I, I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure I'm buying that stock right now. Anthony Richardson as a redshirt sophomore at number five. Would you would you take Anthony Richardson over Hendon Hooker right now? No. Right you know? like like right now, the answer is no, but the ceiling, and again, I you know, people on the board were getting mad at me the other day, but I mean the ceiling for Richardson's much higher than than Hooker. Am, am I wrong? I agree. I, I completely agree with you. Now, I would rather have my quarterback be Hendon Hooker because Hendon Hooker, I, I trust more from a character standpoint than I do Anthony Richardson. Uh, that, that's what would hold me back on Anthony Richardson when comparing him to Hendon Hooker. But I, I completely agree with what Eric just said about the skill set of Anthony Richardson. That ceiling is higher than Hendon Hooker's. Yeah, to, to, I, and he's also three years younger, isn't he? Yeah. To, to, yeah. To, me, to me, when I look at the quarterbacks in the draft, because I don't, I don't know where – um, the, the kid at Boston College is going to be Spencer Rattler. Um, you know some of those guys. I, I think there's two clear-cut guys at the quarterback position in this draft, and that, should, and that would be C.J. Shroud, and, and that would be um, our man Bryce Young from Alabama. After that, I don't know. I'm not saying Hendon Hooker ever becomes the third quarterback in the draft class. I don't, I don't see that, but I do think it's a little more jumbled after the clear you know, top two guys. Now this may be a draft where there's two guys taken in the first round, who knows? But, you know, if you ever get into one of those deals where there's a run on quarterbacks after that second quarterback, who is the next guy on the list? If you had an unbelievable year, I, I guess you'd never say never, but I, I think Darnell Wright's the more obvious possibility. And then if Byron Young just had an unbelievable season, people would fall in love with that because everybody's looking for a pass rusher, but he would have to go, to a total different level in terms of his ability to get to the quarterback this year. Yep, I would agree with that. A couple of recruiting ones here. Latest on Cam Selden, Brent Hubbs. I would imagine Tennessee's still sitting in a uh, about as good a spot as it was, I would venture to say, last weekend when he left campus. Would you? Yeah, I mean, I think they got through the Penn State thing fine. Uh, you know, I think it's Tennessee, Penn State. I do think he'll make a decision in the month of July. Uh, and, and so we'll see. I, I You know, Where's Penn State going to play? And there's, I know there's that talk on the on the board about him being defensive guy or something like that. I mean, I think he wants to play offense. I think Tennessee has marketed him um, as a guy who can do it all in their offense and and can get a bunch of different touches, a bunch of different ways. And I, I think that's something that's really intriguing to Cam Selden. Gabriel underscore Vol twelve wants to know: uh, Does Tennessee try to take Bradley in sooner than this fall? Absolutely. I mean, his commitment date or his he's wanting to make a decision uh, announcement at the end of July or early August. So I think it's going to happen either way, but it's going to be after the dead period. But 
soon as Shendavion Bradley wants to jump in the class, if that's what happens, they'll take him without a doubt. Sam Smith, 2233. Uh, this is a fun one. Uh, ben, with SEC media days a couple of weeks away, what guys are you taking to Atlanta? Brent, is it still just two or are they going back to three? I don't know the answer to that. I think it's two, but okay. I don't I don't know that for sure. That's that's a good question. I, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh Austin Price and um he will uh he will have a hold of every grip and handle that he can on uh on the white rocket because I scare him driving through Interstate seventy five. But if uh, I were Tennessee, I would take Hendon Hooker, um and I would take Cedric Tillman. That'd be my two guys because I think those are the two faces and I think the question everybody's going to get asked down there is going to be about offense, offense, offense. Anytime you can take a quarterback uh, who's a representative, you take your quarterback. Yes, I, I, I think that's the the easy answer for sure. That That's who I would take as well. I do wonder if a guy like Trayvon Flowers makes the trip. Could. Have a, have a little representation for the defense. And uh, you're not going to take Jeremy Banks. You, you, you don't have any line. defensive linemen. <laughs> you don't have any defensive linemen that, that you would necessarily take over Trayvon Flowers. Uh, maybe Jalen McCullough uh, as well. I, I, I think it's those four are, are the most likely options. I'd be surprised if, if anybody else. Maybe Jacob Warren, if it is three this year, I could, be, I could see Jacob Warren being a, a third guy making the trip down there. But I certainly think it all starts with, with Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman, Trayvon Flowers. So those are the main three. I would take Hendon Hooker and Byron Young. Um, without a doubt, Trayvon Flowers would be a good one. Rob, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, unless you just want to do offense, defense to be mixing it up, I think it's Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman. Yeah. Uh, Rob, will say with you, how big of a role will Lucas Campbell uh, have on the basketball staff moving forward? Lucas Campbell, I mean, not, nothing major. As I a mean, direct as a director of recruiting, what is that job responsibility? Rob? I mean, that's – I mean. That's kind of a new little deal. I mean, I, I think that's watching a lot of tape. I mean, maybe making some phone calls, but in, in, I mean, basketball's a lot different than football. Where, I mean, you can't. I mean, you know, football. I think some behind the scenes guys can make an impact because you're dealing with so many kids. You know, how many? I mean, how many legit? I mean, how many offers are, are out to you know guys in the twenty three class? I mean, over well over a hundred. Wouldn't you say? I mean, in basketball, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. the assistant coaches are. You know, doing the heavy lift. I mean, they're they're on the phone with kids, or on the phone with parents. It's just you can't farm it out to behind the scenes. And I'm not trying to discount Lucas. I mean, I think he's got a bright future, and Rick wouldn't bring him in if he if he didn't think he could help. But as far as like the recruiting stuff, that's that's assistant coaches. And then you know, when it gets pretty far down the line where things are serious, it's it's the head coach. So again, that's I mean, it's a great way for Lucas to get started in, in a profession. But uh, not as far as an impact, it's nothing that we're going to see, in my opinion. I mean, it's behind the scenes stuff, maybe, you know, maybe watching film on some young kids. But uh, with the, the small number of prospects you're dealing with in basketball, the, those behind the scenes support staff positions are not as nearly as big of a deal as they are in football, in my opinion. We'll get to two more here. One on baseball, Ben. How would you use? We only got about five minutes left. How many? How would you use Ben Joyce in professional baseball? Would you use him as a starter or as a back end guy? I would be open to anything. And uh, funny enough, I talked to Ben Joyce earlier this week, and he told me that when he went out to San Diego for the MLB draft combine, that uh, several teams actually talked to him about being a starting pitcher, and uh, or at least they are leaving that door open. So. 
And that's the approach that I would take. I think he is capable of being a starting pitcher. He is such a, a freak in terms of what he does in the weight room and how he has conditioned his body, where despite throwing as hard as he does, he could handle being a starting pitcher. So uh, I think you leave the door open to anything. And uh, I think there's going to be a reason you see him taken from rounds two to rounds five. He, he's going to go much higher than than people think. And I think that's because he can be a versatile pitcher for anybody. You can use him as a starter. You can use him in close games. You could use him in key spots. You could use him two to three innings if, if you need a couple of innings of, of somebody eating innings. Uh, I, I think Ben Joyce is going to be a prized prospect in this draft for sure. And not just because he throws 105 miles an hour. Last question goes to Matt Brad one Brent Hubs. Uh, this one looks like it's for you. Did Nico's little brother transfer to Long Beach Poly along with Nico? Or did he say stay at Long Beach High, if you know the answer to that? And what kind of prospect does Madden look to be? Hey, we saw him the other day, Ben. That dude looks like an athlete. He's he is he's shot up. He's tall as well. Yeah, I mean, he's a good-looking athlete. I'm not sure where he's going to end up playing um, in, in terms of high school. You know, there's been talk about them moving and um, all, all kinds of stuff about where they may end up being at and, and all those things. So I'm not exactly sure where he's at uh, at, at this point in time. Um, and, and where he's going to end up. If where he's at right now is where he's going to be another year from now after his brother gets to college. So we'll see. But, I mean, listen, the guy's already got, you know, multiple offers. Everybody certainly uh, has their eyes on him, and he's going to draw plenty of attention and um, plenty of opportunities in front of him in the college ranks because of his upside. Really appreciate all the questions you guys have thrown in here for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, as you do each and every week. Uh, a lot of recruiting, as always, and what should be – uh, a busy month of July is what I'm predicting ahead for the University of Tennessee. I couldn't do this VolQuest mailbag podcast without the help from Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products. They have three locations in East Tennessee, one right here in Knoxville. That's at 8018 Kingston Pike across the street from the Trader Joe's. And of course, as always, shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Be sure to subscribe, follow VolQuest on YouTube so you're notified each and every time we put an interview on there, a podcast on there, whatever, you will be notified so you don't want to miss out on that. For Brent Hubs, Ben McKee, and Rob Lewis, no Austin Price this week. That's why I went by without a hitch. I'm Eric Kane. Really, 100%. really do appreciate you guys. Correct. We'll, we will do it. Correct. Yes, correct. We will do it again next week. Thanks so much for listening to us on the VolQuest Mailback Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.